You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The jury's back and Petya Nyetya not Petya is judged a wiper and not ransomware after all. Judgment, of course, subject to reversal on appeal. Ukraine blames Russia, but whoever done it had eternal blue before the shadow brokers leaked it. WikiLeaks Vault 7 disgorges outlaw country, a Linux attack tool. The shadow brokers raise their rates. Russia calls for international cooperation to stamp out cybercrime. And Captain Louis is shocked, shocked that gambling is taking place at Rick's. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Friday, June 30th, 2017. Consensus has it that the Petya Nyetya Not Petya ransomware campaign isn't really ransomware at all, but rather misdirection for a quieter campaign designed to install at least an information-stealing Trojan and perhaps other malware as well. So if you've been infected, the trending advice from the security community is don't pay the ransom, you won't get your files back that way. It seems there hasn't been much of a gesture in the direction of file recovery, so it's best to consider Petya Netya, not Petya, a wiper. The extortion screen is just razzle-dazzle, smoke and mirrors, and pay no attention to the man behind that curtain. The target of the campaign still looks like Ukraine, the original locus of the infection, but gaining access to systems worldwide is surely not an unwelcome side benefit. Observers and investigators see a slow accumulation of circumstantial evidence pointing to Russian security organs as the responsible parties. One interesting development has come in from F-Secure. Researchers at the security company believe they've found signs that Eternal Blue, the exploit used by both WannaCry and Petya Netya Not Petya, and allegedly stolen by means unknown from NSA's Equation Group, was incorporated into the current campaign's code some six months ago which is well before the shadow brokers released Eternal Blue in April. This suggests either a connection between the shadow brokers and the Petya controllers, perhaps they're the same or working for the same people, or that the controllers had independent access to the exploit. In any case, more people who've looked at the malware think that Petya Netya not Petya has only a superficial connection with the original Petya, which was indeed a classical instance of ransomware hawked by a hacker who went by Janus, He took his name after a James Bond villain, not the Roman god of doors and portals. Janus operated through much of 2016 before going dark in December. He achieved a degree of easy, cheapjack, Robin Hoodish fame for the way in which he offered up decryptors for competing strains of criminal ransomware. 
But Janus is now back and saying he'd like to help with this newest, relatively distant descendant of his crime ware. He tweeted his concern on Wednesday, saying he was examining the Nyetya Nyatpetya code and suggesting that he wasn't responsible. He probably wasn't. The original Petya was straightforward extortion, and Janus was looking for cash. This week's Petya Nyetya Not Petya controllers are almost certainly after something else, probably staging spyware and doing battlespace preparation for future attacks. It's clearer now how the malware infected its initial victims. The threat actors got into the patch server used by ME Doc, a Ukrainian software firm that makes a widely used tax accounting product, a kind of Ukrainian TurboTax. Once there, they installed the malware in such a fashion that any customer who downloaded a ME Doc update got Petya Nyetya Not Petya instead. From there, the malware wormed itself across various local area networks. So it seems fair to chalk Petya Nyetya Not Petya up to espionage and hybrid warfare, not cybercrime. Ukraine thinks the Russians did it, and they've called in international help, including Interpol and the FBI, to help their security and intelligence organizations with the investigation. To return to the eternal blue exploit used in the campaign, this is in some ways a good news, bad news story. The good news is that if you were patched and up to date, you were probably not affected. The bad news is that patching can be a lot harder than it sounds, particularly in systems that touch indispensable legacy software. If indeed Eternal Blue is an NSA exploit that leaked into the wild, and most, including Microsoft, conclude that the shadow brokers are telling the truth, at least on this count, the big unanswered question is, how did the exploit leak? So far, that's publicly unknown, and members of Congress are getting a bit restive about the matter, asking NSA for a fuller accounting of the undisclosed exploits it holds and how it controls them. That such controls are not bulletproof may be seen in the results of a Defense Department Inspector General's report on NSA's self-protection against insider threats. The study was prompted by the Snowden affair, and the results were mixed. Privileged account management was found to be particularly loosey-goosey, with work to be done. WikiLeaks has opened Vault 7 again, this time with Outlaw Country. They claim it's a CIA-developed tool for exploiting Linux systems. The concentration on Linux suggests an interest in attacking servers. And how about those shadow brokers, those speakers of Amrashlish? They've declined with cheeky false modesty not to comment on Petya Netya not Petya. As they put it, Another global cyber attack is fitting end for first month of the shadow brokers dump service. There is much the shadow brokers can be saying about this, but what is point? And having not already being said. And what can we do but agree? What indeed is point having not already been said? They haven't yet made good on their promise to expose an equation group operator and tie him or her to American espionage against China, but the brokers have doubled the price of membership in their Exploit of the Month Club. It will now set you back $65,000 in Zcash or $46,000 in Monero. June sales of memberships did so well, the brokers claim, that the market practically obliges them to charge more. They're also introducing a VIP service. We can't figure out exactly what you get. Could it be that mint Mr. Bogachev missed on his Platinum Rewards hotel pillow, we wonder? But whatever it is, it can be yours for a cool $130,000. So hop to it, wealthy elite. Russia has called for an international crackdown on cybercrime, to which one can only say, Hey, yeah, sure, you're right, Mr. Peskov. Stop me before I hack again, eh, Vlad? 
Next Tuesday, of course, is Independence Day in the U.S., the day we observe and celebrate the M-Exit of 1776. We'll publish the week that was, as usual, on Sunday, and the CyberWire Daily News Briefing, and post our daily podcast, as usual, on Monday. But Tuesday will be a holiday for us. Enjoy the 4th. We'll be here Monday, and we'll be back, as usual, next Wednesday. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Emily Wilson. She's the director of analysis at Terbium Labs. Uh, Emily, you and the folks over at Terbium recently published some research about uh, online fraud guides. What can you share about that? Yeah, so we've been looking at these fraud guides that are for sale on you know, most of the major markets. These are the kinds of things that really only appear on the major markets. You have effectively PDFs or Word documents that contain either fairly sophisticated or fairly mundane instructions on how to defraud different institutions. And this can be everything from here is exactly how, step by step, you find or create a false identity and defraud this particular bank from this particular company for this particular kind of account to uh, here's how you get free pizza. So really running the whole gamut of a little petty crime, but all the way up to fairly sophisticated uh, things with big dollars. A, a very good example, I would say, of uh, a way to remind us that the dark web really is just another part of the Internet. People can be very crafty. People can be very clever. People can do very interesting or very creative things. Uh, and then at the end of the day, people just want pizza. <laughs> so what, what, what kinds of uh, prices are we talking about to, to buy a guide to do various types of fraud? Uh, you'd be surprised at uh, at how inexpensive or expensive it can be. I know we saw a couple of outliers on the far end that were getting into the uh, tens of thousands. I think we even saw one for hundreds of thousands of dollars, something having to do with real estate. You know, either the uh, hmm. the vendor made a mistake putting the price in, or 
or I don't know what what's in that guide. If you want to buy it and let me know, I'd be curious <laughs> to hear. But uh, well, and there's no way to to know for sure that it's actually being sold at that price, right? Is there? Uh, that's the price that's listed for the for the market listing. So really, that's the transactional price. You you kind of pay that in Bitcoin if you want to be able to access it. In terms of general pricing, though, these are fairly inexpensive. Uh, you can buy individual guides for you know there there are some that are available effectively for free for a couple of dollars. Uh, you know you can get some that range up to the forty, fifty, eighty, a hundred, um, and then in some cases, you know, a couple of the uh, a couple of the things that we bought for this research were big packs of 200 or 500 guides for about $10. Before we went on the air, you mentioned uh, one particular one that was uh, that was interesting about fishing. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, you, you're not surprised. You have this big, uh, big pack of, of how to defraud, right? Best fraud guide on, on whatever market. Uh, and buried in these, you know, 200 or 500 PDFs, there's a, a guide on fishing. Only it's not fishing. It's, it's fishing with an F. It's how to catch kingfish. It's a PDF about how to go out and catch large fish in the sea. <laughs> so don't know if uh, perhaps uh, some machine learning gone bad and gathering it up or just maybe somebody who has a pretty good sense of humor. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate the advice. You know, I'm always looking for new hobbies. <laughs> Never know. All right, Emily Wilson, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. The SANS Institute recently published a report, Integrating Prevention, Detection, and Response Workflows, SANS Survey on Security Optimization. The report was sponsored by ThreatConnect, and joining us from ThreatConnect to discuss the survey findings are Drew Gidwani, Director of Analytics, and Andy Pendergast, VP of Product and Co-Founder. We begin with Drew Gidwani. To do security better, and, and by that mean I mean the four primary functions of security, prevent, detect, respond, and predict, you need to align your people, your processes, and your technology you need to take down silos and data and workflow, as well as interconnectivity between the different security products, um, endpoint networks, um, et cetera, that enterprises typically deploy to be able to coordinate action across them. You know, not having silos is just a prerequisite. It, it adds some efficiencies and capabilities that otherwise wouldn't be there inherently, but it also, uh, perhaps more importantly, is a prerequisite to enabling more advanced automation across the technologies and better, for lack of a better term, better workflow across the teams. And that should enable scale to better prevent, detect, respond, and predict against threats to the network, to the business processes of the organization. Now, why do you suppose that uh, there's this tendency for different groups to end up in silos in the first place? I believe it's part of the human condition. You know, as, as any system grows in complexity and size, 
including and especially human systems, you are going to have silos um, because uh, roles are segmented. Uh, people need to focus on one aspect of what they're doing, usually, especially as you get in larger areas. Um, you start wearing less hats and focusing on, on more, you know, one hat, uh, if maybe two. Um, and as that happens, uh, communication typically becomes more sparse right, across those different functions. To add to that, Dave, I would say that there's sort of a different evolutionary pace for some of the disciplines that we see um, across the security operations spectrum. That's Andy Pendergast. As some of these things have matured faster or they've been around for longer, um, you know, and, and certain buzzwords kind of hit critical mass at different times, what we see is that, you know, especially in our customers, different parts of the organization grow, they get budget, uh, the talent pools that they can hire from are available at different times and at different rates. And as a result, you see different levels of maturity and sophistication for processes. And that's where the silos really start to get entrenched. Take me through some of the key findings from the survey. So I would say uh, one of the biggest findings is that kind of along the vein of silos that we just discussed, um, it's really difficult to scale security operations linearly with the size of a company. And what we find there is that if, if people are trying to stay at the forefront of the functions that we talked about earlier, all of the detection, response, um, prediction, they, they really need to find force multipliers at each stage. And again, we're dealing with different groups with different skill sets, different missions, and they may even be located geospatially on different continents. And I think that the, the big takeaway is that when we start to see breakdowns in the scaling there, we can also start to see uh, there, there are major impacts to the risk posture or, or visibility across the organization. And it's, it's pretty unilateral that as companies have had issues centralizing and automating, they are starting to see a lot of these, these problems come to the forefront. The survey does address you know, the, the two major issues that are two major challenges companies see with scaling um, are lack of skills and lack of funding, right? Um, and those are two very hard problems to solve, right? Like there are there are lots of initiatives, including you know, SANS specializes in uh, creating an, a a better educated security workforce on many different levels and in many different skill sets. Um, so there are folks addressing those problems, but I, I suspect that we're not going to solve the skill gap anytime soon. You know, in the next five to ten years, even as security becomes, you know, the demand for security becomes ever more present um, as you know, we shift ever, ever more into the digital age and there are more and more threats out there uh, and more and more surface area for uh, attacks to occur. So looking for force multipliers, as as Drew suggested, is really kind of the, the focus of what we at Threat Connect look to do to, to try to either um, Inform decisions with intelligence so that you can work smarter with, you know, with, with less, um, or allow your teams to work better together uh, with with data from both inside the enterprise and outside the enterprise. I, I think the most paramount ideal is that there needs to be kind of a, an organization wide attitude. There needs to be a, a mentality that's cultivated that. The whole Intel lifecycle is everyone's problem. And this really goes counter to the whole silo mentality that people may inadvertently develop. We especially saw in, in our prior lives as analysts, there were times where somebody would throw something over the fence and say, that's an incident response problem. I did my job. And when you start to have those very discrete lines in the sand, 
Uh, it's very difficult for people to break out of that mentality. It's very difficult for an organization to evolve alongside the threats that they're facing. Um, and along that line, I think executives need to articulate a vision. Uh, that's really where the entire organization, you know, down through management, down to the individual analyst that's sitting there in the trenches all day doing the work, um, everybody can use that as a rubric to guide their decision making. And if everybody's on the same page with the vision, then it naturally follows that collaboration can can start to thrive there. Uh, we've got all these moving targets, right? We've got nascent disciplines, we've got maturing technology, uh, and then of course the threats aren't exactly staying still on their own. And so it comes down to those people having the tools, being equipped to do their job. Uh, and then once you set them loose, there really needs to be a mindset of iteration. We always talk about being better scientists. We have to experiment, we have to try things, we have to measure and, and see what's working and what's not so that we can refine these things because you're, you're certainly not gonna get it right on the first try. Our thanks to Drew Gidwani and Andy Pendergast from ThreatConnect for joining us. The SANS Survey, Integrating Prevention, Detection, and Response Workflows, SANS Survey on Security Optimization, can be found on the SANS website. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.